I do think um, lots of people are empathetic, um, but I encourage people to consider compassion over empathy. Because to me, the idea of empathy is I take your things, I put them in my body, I feel them, I know them. Whereas compassion is, I see your things and I honor your things, but they're still your things and I'm not putting them in my body. Welcome to Let's Not Sugarcoat It, a podcast about the real, raw, and unfiltered side of motherhood. We're your hosts, Bella, Alex, and Amy. Let's get into it, ladies. Hey, today we have Jen Bishop in studio. I'm so excited. I learn something new every time I get in her in her presence. Uh, Jen Bishop is an intuitive healer who is trained in homeopathy and Reiki. She owns and operates Joyful Healing, where her approach to being healing concentrates on a mind, body, and spirit connection, understanding that our bodies only have one way to communicate with us, and that is through symptoms. The greater awareness we have of ourselves and our bodies, the easier it is to heal. Jen is a gentle, loving, and compassionate healer who cares for her patients in a truly unique way providing guidance and support along their journeys to better health. Jen also runs incredible online and in-person women's groups where she facilitates connections, growth, and awareness on your spiritual journey. In 2019, she co-wrote Rainbow of Awareness, a guide to social, emotional learning and awareness in the classroom. Jen lives in Kelowna, BC with her amazing husband and three children. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Not as happy as I am. <laughs> uh, so Jen, you are uh, amazing in my eyes. And as I did say, I learn something new every time you're I'm with you. And I'm fascinated by all that is in your head. Uh, but we did talk a little bit about um, energy. And you're going to talk to us about energy with ourselves and particularly how it pertains to our children and in the world today. Yeah, one of the things that I love talking about is how we really are an energy body, right? Inside of us, we have four energy bodies. And we walk around completely wide open energetically in this world. Nobody really, or not enough people talk about um, how to protect your energy. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very sensitive soul and I seem to attract a lot of really sensitive souls into my practice um, and in my life. And I know personally that in, you know, my, well, up until when I started to understand all of this, so about 10 years ago, um, I was walking around wide open and picking up other people's energy for years and years and years. And um, once I was aware of that, I started to learn more practices to make sure that I was more protected in the world. And so mm-hmm. my energy is my own and I, there was a bit of a... Um, not a barrier because that's not a very nice word, but <laughs> just basically a um, a protection around myself and, and my children and people in my life um, that supports you like the way you would put a raincoat on when you go outside in the rain or a hat and a scarf when you go outside in the snow, right? Like it's just a way to protect your energy. And um, it's pretty easy to do. It, you know, it's just about um, surrounding yourself in white light mm-hmm. and you can affirm that. So when you're saying an affirmation, you say it three times. Um, so mm. you can use the language, I am protected or I am supported, but you would say, I am surrounded in white light. I am surrounded in white light. I am surrounded in white light. So be it. And so it shall be. Mm. or I am protected in white light, whichever one feels better. Or if you're a visual person, you can just visual visualize yourself in mm. white light. And it's been pretty crazy. And, and as long as I've been teaching this, it never ceases to amaze me how, um, how this shifts situations, it shifts energy, it mm. sh- shifts the people that come into your life. Um, it's fascinating. I say to my kids, it doesn't stop bad things from happening, but it does stop it from impacting your energy. It means it stops it from you taking it into your body. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, it was given to me years ago because um, I'm divorced. And so I have a daughter from a previous marriage and she was going off um, to her father's house and um, not having the nicest of times. And it was something that I could do. I could surround her in white light as a way to sort of feel like I was supporting her in a situation that I couldn't be in with her. 
And it really, again, like she would come back and it was amazing how it would shift the dynamic of what was happening around her. I've had, I have lots of really fun stories about it. You know, I, my favorite story, and I'm sure this person would be horrified would be telling it, but years ago, I had this beautiful woman in women, women's group with me and she was like, because this is the number, if you take nothing away from this podcast today, please take the white light because it really, and it's what I say when I meet people. If you think nothing else about me, think about this. Um, but I had this amazing woman. She goes, so like, is this going to help like the smelly people not sit beside me on the go train? And I was like, I don't know. You should try it. And so she went away for a couple of weeks from group and then came back and she was like, you're never going to believe it. She goes, every day before I got out of the car um, and on the train, I would surround myself in white light. She goes, not a smelly person sat down beside me. Amazing. She goes, and the one day I forgot, some smelly person sat down beside me. She goes, so while he was sitting there, I was like, I'm surrounded in white light. I'm sorry. She goes, and he got up and left. And I was like, oh, like yeah, that, yeah. that is the power of white light. It's beautiful in so many situations. I encourage my kids to use it when they're um, having trouble with difficult children, like other friends at school mm. or difficult teachers or just, you know, it... It almost energetically levels you up. Mm. And so you it's like you're vibrating at a different level so that what is coming into you is a different level of people. Um, That's know, cool. It's really, it's just something to just practice. And, do you, yeah. So do two you, things. Okay, after yeah. I have two no, things. Yeah. Go. Do you want to know something funny? And I don't know where I learned it. So this is like a one thing I'm telling you because I'm like, interesting, she's talking about this. Another thing I'm like, what is, uh, so hold this thought. I want to know what white light comes from originally spiritually to, I am, I feel like I'm a pretty spiritual person. So I have been like, I, I do think about white light a lot and also my children. So my daughter was really anxious and I don't remember where I got this, but so we started this ritual at night and I do it with both my kids. And we basically, we say a big white light shoots in your head and it takes all the negative thoughts around. It swirls them down. It basically, it goes through every layer of your body until it shoots out of your leg and all the negative thoughts are gone. So it's interesting that this is a thing and I must've learned some part of that somewhere, but I just want to know, yeah, why spiritually is white light? Is it just like a really cleansing? Good question. Yes. I mean, ultimately it's the energy of all beings, right? Like right. I, I have this idea that I um, often say is that we come in as light and when we're born, we're pure light. Like, and then all of our experience, all of our, our, you know, our parents, our family, like that's the stuff that ends up sort of dimming the light in some situations. Sometimes mm. it doesn't, but then we're most of the, like our, our life moving forward, like once you're not, maybe once you go out on your own is about you finding your light and coming back to the fullness of who you are. So I, so uh, technically I learned about the, this white light protection um, when I learned Reiki and when I was attuned to Reiki level one. And so it, it like it is the light of the universe, mm. of God, of whoever you want to call it, it is their light. And so her light, how about, it is her light. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so, <laughs> and so, yeah. So I think it's really, really powerful. And I've been teaching this now for like five or six years and, and, wow. and sharing it with patients for longer than that. And it, it is like, I, you know, I joke that, I'll do it with family members where I'm like, make sure I'm surrounded before, before I go into a family function. And then the shit show is happening over here and I'm in another room, right? Like yeah. it's it's really mm. just a fun practice. I even, I even do it in the line at the grocery store when I like, because I, you know, I pick up on a lot of things and somebody's bitching in the line behind me and I'm literally standing there like I am protected. <laughs> That's awesome. Because, you know, I, I also seem to have this energy that people want to just tell me all of their things. Yeah. Um, and I just want to create space between me and their things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. It is. It's really nice. Even in conflict, it's a beautiful opportunity too, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're fighting with somebody or in an argument with somebody, try, put your white light on and see what happens. That's yeah. cool. Okay. So it sounds like you're doing it often throughout the day is what I was going to ask. It's like, it's not a one and done in the morning and you're good to go. I think it's all intentional. I think mm. if you are intentional enough with it, you know, I do it in my practice. Um, and so if I'm seeing people all day long, I'm not necessarily doing it in, in between, mm -hmm. but if at any point during my day, like I said, I'm at the grocery store and all of a sudden, like I'm, there's, you know, maybe negativity or 
things that I'm sort of picking up on, I then am immediately like, oh yeah, no, that doesn't belong to me. I'm just going to make sure I'm protected in that. Yeah. Mm. So yes, it could be all day long. It's whatever you feel you need. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So So you feel like the majority of people, and maybe that's shifting a little bit, but we're just walking around taking on everybody's. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that's like empath is a word that's thrown around a lot now. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably, probably everyone's an empath really. Yeah, and I have some ideas about that as well. Oh, I'd love Share to them. I, <laughs> I encourage, like I appreciate, I feel like, uh, you know, I do think um, lots of people are empathetic, um, but I encourage people to consider compassion over empathy. Because to me, the idea of empathy is I take your things, I put them in my body, I feel them, I know them. Whereas compassion is, I see your things and I honor your things, but they're still your things and I'm not putting them in my body. Mm, I like that. Uh, you know, I not that I'm going to stop people from being empathetic, but there it, it just comes back to that concept of the awareness of knowing what to do with that. And if you, if you, if you're really empathetic, because I think a lot of children are too, right? And they have yeah. no concept of what to do with that kind of stuff. Then they literally are putting people's things in their body and then they're not necessarily letting them go. Yeah. You're like white light of like releasing things is like, even to add a little something to that, I would yeah. say the language of to release things that don't belong to me and don't serve my greater and highest good. Oh yeah, that's Because good. it isn't really necessarily about like, let's get rid of all the negative things, yeah. but it is, let's get rid of things that aren't mine. Yeah, that don't mm. serve me and aren't right. mine. Yeah, yeah, that's good. See what I mean? I'm just blown away. Every time. <laughs> She's so good. Um, okay, so tell me also, I'm always fascinated. You talk in great length about the chakras and our chakra system. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I love the chakras. <laughs> so quick version, you know, um, not to give too much backstory, but I went to school to be a homeopath and then I actually found Reiki for myself. I had an, an amazing amazing teacher, an amazing friend that um, I still work with. And she was like, "You should, you should do level one. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and um, like she said, for your for yourself and for your family. And I was like, okay, that's great. And I had huge um, like epiphanies and awakenings with level one and new sensitivities and new awareness. And then it's so as I was going through school to be a homeopath, um, then she was like, you should do level two. It'll be really good for your patients. You can send distant healing to people if they need it. I'm like, okay, great. And then I went on and I did my level three right before I finished school. And she was like, well, you're going to use this in your practice. And I was like, well, why? <laughs> like, you're so good at this. Why would I do this? Yeah. And she was like, no, 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 you need to do this. This needs to be part of your practice. So it wasn't my intention originally, but it has been mind blowing because the balance between homeopathy, which is energy medicine and Reiki, which is energy healing Mm -hmm. has kind of blown up my awareness on how our energy body but our and our physical body works and everything manifests from our energy body, Mm -hmm. every single thing. And so to have a better awareness of the the basic seven um, energy centers of the seven chakras in the body can create a beautiful new awareness of your, not only your physical body, but your emotional body, your spiritual body as well. And so... I love, so the book we wrote, Rainbow of Awareness, mm-hmm. my um, girlfriend, Eve Delisi and I wrote it. She's been a teacher for 20 plus years and I brought the energy part to it. Um, and we don't talk about them as chakras, but that's why it's called the Rainbow of Awareness because it literally is the seven chakras. Oh. Um, and it and basically there is awareness in every chakra and how it relates. And I love this game with regards to kids and I'll tell you why, but I think I'll just go through the seven chakras so that everybody sort of has an idea first. So we literally are a rainbow from feet to head. So at at our feet is our root chakra that goes to the bottom of our sacrum. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. And that is our, um, so it's our root chakra. It has to do with grounding, balance, safety, security, um, yeah, and I'm just going to keep going. So yeah. so the root chakra. And then the sacral chakra is basically from the bottom of your sacrum to just below your belly button. And it is about how you feel about yourself, how you feel other people see you. It is gut instinct lives there. Um, it is like pretty heavily tied to our purpose in life, our career, all kind of lives in that area. The next one, so that was orange. The next one is yellow, which is our emotional chakra or our solar plexus chakra, it's called. Um, and it literally is all the emotions, happiness, sadness, fear, anger, joy, all of the things are in that area. Mm-hmm. 
And then we have our heart chakra, which is obviously at our heart. Um, that was yellow. This is green. Heart is green. Mm. And and the heart chakra has to do with giving and receiving. And it's not good enough to just be a good giver and not a good receiver. And I know as moms and as women, we often stink at receiving, mm. um, but we're really good at giving. And so mm. it's important to be practiced at receiving as well for many things in life. Um, and then our throat chakra uh, is in our throat and it is um, the color blue. And it has to do with speaking our truth, um, speaking our truth, advocating for yourself. Um, yeah, talking about how you feel. Yeah. Uh, indigo is our third eye, um, which really has to do with our intuition. But also it's about um, how you interpret metaphors because so much of our intuition is tied to a metaphor. I always joke, mm. you hear like when you when you listen to psychics and they'll say, oh, they're showing me like this. They're showing them in a metaphor sense that makes sense to that person so that they can translate it to whoever they're telling it to. Mm. Cool. And then purple is your crown chakra, which has to do with connection, connection to God, source, the universe, whatever you want to call it, and also connection to other people. Interesting. So the reason that I find all of this very fascinating is because if you think of some of your physical things that you have going on in your body and which chakra they they lie in, there usually is a correlation between the chakra and also the symptom. Mm. So as an example, if I use the throat chakra, if you were somebody or your kids were somebody that had a lot of throat um, illness like strep throat, sore throats, coughing, that could be an issue to do with not speaking their truth. Mm. Um, oh, and and you're, so I'll just kind of go along a little bit. So root chakra, um, because it has to do with being grounded um, and ways to be grounded are obviously being outside, like living in Kelowna is a beautiful place to practice being grounded, but you can do it anywhere, but feet in the, on the earth, um, you know, walking in nature, um, deep breathing is really grounding. Um, feeling safe and secure is really tied to being grounded. And when we're not grounded, we feel very anxious and antsy and all over the place. And making decisions is very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, in our sacral chakra, like symptoms could be anything from like things like Crohn's, colitis, but also for women um, and young girls, like really heavy, hard periods, lots of pain, discomfort. Mm. Yeah. Um, That all is tied to that chakra. And so it's like considering just uh, my goal is always just to create more awareness in people. Yeah. And so you could go through every chakra and, and, um, and tie different symptoms to them. But my favorite game with the chakra, especially when it relates to children, is um, finding out what somebody's favorite color is. So Amy, what's your favorite color? My favorite color is, I would have to say like a pink, but like an orangey pink. Okay, good. Yeah, Alex? Okay, so like for 20 years, my favorite color was red, but over the last couple of years, it's more like a blue, like a turquoise or a blue. Love it. Hey, me and you, same, same. So yeah, red, red. Um, uh, I love red, but mine, actually mine was turquoise for years and I have a lot of things in my house that are turquoise because I do love that color, but it's shifted recently to green. So usually your favorite color is the color, the chakra you need the most work on. Interesting. It really actually is fascinating. Oh my gosh. And when I've, I've done a, a variety of workshops for kids and in schools and we, I have them come and I, we would have blocks like different, all seven different color blocks. And then they would come and pick their favorite color or just pick the block that they wanted or that resonated with them. And then we would put them into groups and so fascinating. As an example, the root chakra, which is about being grounded. Um, there was a huge group at this one school that I did it at. And kids that have the favorite color red um, usually have issues with focus, have things like ADD and ADHD. They're kind of all over the place. They likely have is- like things going on with safety and security. And making decisions can be really, really hard. And it was really cool because as I was kind of saying some of these things, these kids are like, how do you know these things? <laughs> how do-? But it, it it's fascinating. Yeah. And so same kind of things, right? Like the, the throat chakra people, like the kids that aren't speaking their truth or... Um, it was interesting in the, I did um, some work with grade six, seven, and eight, and we had very few 
orange and yellow, which is like emotional and, and sacral, which is how you feel about yourself. A few green, but mostly blue, red, and purple. Mm. Ah, so higher. Yeah, but ah. but also pretty fascinating at how like the types of kids that are coming through these days, right? Yeah. Um, purple is about connection. And I always talk about my son's favorite color is purple. And during COVID, like we were in Ontario, so COVID was pretty intense. We weren't in school for a couple of years. And finally, when he was able to see his friends, I'll never forget, he went out, they went biking for three hours and he came home and he just sobbed, sobbed and sobbed. And I was like, what's wrong? And he said, oh my goodness, I forgot how much I missed my friends. And I was like, so connection for somebody Mm -hmm. whose favorite color is purple is so important, right? So being isolated and not having connection with people is very damaging to him at at this time, yeah? Mm-hmm. Anyways, like I could go on and on for all the things, but okay, but pink, you said pink. So pink is- So, but I was just going to say, it's funny you say that because I, like if I had to choose my favorite color is pink, but I am drawn to purple. Mm. Like purple draws me in. And a lot of times if I'm doing things like, you know, I'll use a purple pen for things and I'll use, so purple would be a predominant color. And I remember a phase in high school or junior high when I decided everything had to be purple. And I remember going shopping with my mom and she said to the sales lady, apparently it's got to be purple. Mm. So take it back. Like everything's got to be purple. I was on and I don't just all of a sudden it had to be purple. So Mm. it's so interesting you say that. And that was like grade seven or eight probably. Right, I love it. And so, you know, it's really like we're probably all working on our chakras on a regular basis. It isn't always just one versus another one. But typically when it's predominant, it's your favorite color, you're you're decorating your house with a specific color over and over. That is the one that is needing some more love. Pink, which is not in any that I said, actually has to do with self-love. See? Yeah. And it's interesting that little girls' favorite colors, whether it's society-based or not, usually is pink. And it all has to do with self-love, which is so lovely wow. to think about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to make sure I've covered it for anybody that's listening with their kids. Like if somebody's favorite color is yellow, right? That's mm-hmm. emotion. So often when somebody's color is yellow, it really is about expressing their emotions, all of their emotions. Ah. And not ne- it doesn't necessarily have to be like spoken through your throat. Um, or through your voice, but it is about being able to share all of your emotions. And green, giving and receiving is also a really big one too. Um, When it comes to kids, it's really about like worth and because it's about giving and receiving, like being able to feel worthy enough to receive Mm. love from people too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just, it's just been a really, it's a really neat thing to go home and ask your kids like, Ooh, what's your favorite color? Um, And I love that it changes on a regular basis too. Yeah. I feel like I'm honestly drawn to all the colors. (laughs) I was like, Ooh, I like green too. Ooh, I actually really, red is one that I don't normally go towards, but you know, it's interesting you say that because, um, the rainbow, really. And maybe it's at different times, like you said, that certain ones need a little more love. I also think it's important to pay attention to the colors you really don't like. Mm. Ah. <laughs> bo- it's like same, same, right? right. Like, it would be I red for me. really hate it or I really love it. I would say the same. I don't hate it, but it's like the last I would pick probably. Uh, so what does that mean about me? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask then. <laughs> yeah, grounding, I feel like, is a thing that you could be practicing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said that one or 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. You're in my head. But I had a really neat, sorry, a cute little story of, uh, I had a woman in women's group who was a kindergarten teacher. And when we started learning about this, she was like, oh my gosh, I have this little boy in my class who colors with red. And he was very aggressive and he was hitting people and yelling and screaming, whatever. And But all of his pictures were red, 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 red. And then with COVID, they started to go outside more. They were in the forest every single day. And this kid completely changed. He stopped coloring with red. It stopped being all about red. He stopped stopped being violent. He stopped being so aggressive because he was able to be grounded on a daily basis. And then it switched to blue. So I find that so interesting. And like I said, 20 years, I only loved red. Loved red all the time. I bought red rain boots. I was known for always having a pair of red rain boots. I loved red. I was obsessed with red. And I, I think... A former version of myself used to be a lot more like all the time. I'm, I am a high energy person and I can be like that, but I was like that all the time, like always at a 10, always like do this or like, what's the next thing or this, 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 so high energy. And I've spent a lot of time, especially over COVID, really doing breath work, like relaxing, taking things slower. And I, then one day my son asked me, 
like two years ago what my favorite color was. And I was like, blue. And I'm just so much calmer now as a person. And I never thought of it that way. But I just suddenly I'm not drawn to red as much. I don't want to be red. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same, same. Like all of the things. So I feel like I grew up in a pretty intense um, household, a lot of fear-based things. Like, mm. you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s too. and it yeah. was yeah. like everything was about fear, right? And I felt like I held it in my body. And, and um, you know, it's very common, like if it, because the concept is like chakras are energy, right? And it is very easy. I talk about this a lot for us to just leave our bodies, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially if you've experienced trauma or like intense fear, like energetically, you you just leave. Like it just floats right out of your body. And so that's always my, like to think back, you know, to come back into your body, to be grounded, to be rooted, to be balanced. Like everything is easier when there's the flow of all of the chakras. Mm-hmm. The, life feels easier. It feels It feels sweeter and more balanced and just it allows for flow. And when we're not all the way in our body and even like big energy, because I would say that I'm pretty big energy too, like it, it just... It is so important to be grounded in your body, like of all the things. I've worked really hard on it too and mm. practice it. And I still leave, like I still, I can still feel my energy dip out and I'm like, okay, we're going to have to come come, yeah, practice <laughs> yeah. this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So you oh. told us a little bit about grounding. So that was for the root chakra. Now give us a little bit of a version of, so if you have found your favorite color, let's say that means the one that needs a little bit of work. What are some things you can do? To, to support each to one. To support each one. Yeah. Okay. So grounding, as I said, was about being outside. Yeah. Orange, um, which is your sacral chakra that has to do with how you feel about yourself, really is ultimately about making sure you're tapped into why you're here and what you're doing, which I know is not, I'm like saying that that's not an easy thing. Yeah. Um, but really just for women, this is actually new awareness and I'm really grateful for it, um, is that every all of our knowing lives in our sacral chakra mm-hmm. so all like gut instinct and our intuition like it is all there for us mm-hmm. i don't think it's the same for men i believe that they have different knowing um but for women it's a very powerful chakra and i feel like we haven't been um taught to trust it and to honor it mm-hmm. and so that's the work that i'm like want to move forward with teaching um but so in terms of it really is just about having confidence in yourself and who you are and allowing yourself to be all the way you, right? Which again, is a tall order. I'm not suggesting that it's not hard work. But that's something you could lean into, I guess, in that right. in that regard. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not like you, you know, my husband's favorite color is orange and actually my older daughter's favorite. It wasn't, it was, what was it? It was green for quite a while and it switched to orange. And I do think like it's orange in a time where she's off to university, trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life, who mm. she is, where she's going, mm. why she's here. And same, I feel like my husband has that th- that same kind of like dialogue is like, what am I really here doing? What am I, how am I, how's this working? And how do I feel in the world? And so, you know, if we like, if I circle back to bring it to kids and thinking about your children, when you have that awareness and know, oh, my my child's favorite color is orange, you can come from a place of, okay, so supporting them and who they are and what they're doing and a lot of like confidence building, a lot of language, mm. a, a language around like love and support and making good, like, and supporting their choices and understanding that, you know, who you are takes time and it's a process. So there is just beautiful language around helping your children in each chakra, yeah? Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Evie's favorite color is purple and she loves being connected to people like you're saying. Right? Like she wears now purple sometimes head to toe, like you said you did, Amy. And yeah. but Evie's greatest thing in the world is to be connected to people. She wants to like have be connected to her friends, be connected one-on-one, parent time, whatever. I love it. So and it's I, interesting. I find my son, whose favorite color is purple as well, he not only is really interested in other people, but he really loves it when I talk about like energy and I like I surround him in archangels before he goes to bed and he loves that awareness. And of all of my children, like from a spiritual level, we like talk about God and stuff, but in a spirit spiritual way. Mm-hmm. And he's the most drawn to that language and to talking about it. Cool. Um, whereas the other two are like, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's I so love that you're raising your son that way. And I feel the same way. I talk to my girls about what would you want to know? And they go, nothing, mom, <laughs> nothing from you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Um, because we've talked a little bit about this and give us some practical ways. I love when you talk about language and how to have the conversation with our kids these days. You know, the way we're raising them in this generation in a world where it is very busy and there is a lot of anxiety and there is a lot of, you know, how do we teach our kids to ground? I mean, I guess other than modeling it, but give us some practical ways in which you would you know, converse with kids or what they, what they're needing, what you think in their, in their, in your opinion, what they need mostly from us parents these days. My favorite idea, I think, comes from Abraham Hicks and law of attraction. And it's the idea that our children come here and they know way more than we do. Mm. And gone is the generation, which feels like my parents and grandparents where like the adults know everything. Mm -hmm. And when you have that kind of I don't know, idea or concept when you're dealing with your children that they're here to teach us. <laughs> they're here to show us things like they really are more aware than we are. Yeah. I feel like just that shift in perspective of like, do this and do that. And I know more than you and you better do it because I said so. Like, I do try to get out of the way a little bit of like what their desires are because... It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy because it's still hard to be like, to clean your room and do the dishwasher and <laughs> all the things. <laughs> like, so all you feel stuff. like you want to be messy and stay out all night. Okay, awesome. Right. right. Just, where, yeah. I'm, I'm like, clean, clean. Step aside. Right. Like yeah. your room is a disaster and I can't, it's making me insane. And yeah. my daughter is so freaking amazing that her response is, it's my room. You don't have to live in there. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Right. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Yes. Um, Just close the door. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually feel like the biggest thing right now for children, I'm sure it was true for all of us too, but nobody was talking about it enough, is just about honoring how kids feel. You know, like it's it's one, it feels like there's a shift happening and people are more aware and just honoring all of your feelings. It's challenging. Um, I feel like, you know, girls seem to be allowed to be sensitive. In my experience, Girls are allowed all of the emotions and boys are allowed anger. Yeah. Mm. And so boys get to put all of their emotional stuff into anger mm. because that seems to be acceptable. And funny enough, if you ask women of a, a, maybe a little older than us, are you angry? Like when I'm in with when I have patients and I'm like, how do you feel about anger? Are you an angry person? It's very clear that they're angry. <laughs> and, and, and the and the answer is always like, no, never. I'm not angry. I'm like, oh, geez, oh, Lisa. Sorry. But, but again, I feel like, right, from a society perspective, it's like anger is okay for men or boys, but it's not okay for women. So yeah. there's, and then, so, you know, from a, from a boy perspective, I'm really having two girls first and then a boy. Um, I'm really trying to honor emotions, all levels of emotions. And it is fascinating how much harder that is for my husband um, because he was raised with where emotions really weren't acceptable, yeah. right? And so funny when the girls are crying and upset, it's not nearly as triggering for him as it is when the when mm. my son is. And the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And and it's, I mean, we're working on it. Like it's good awareness. And um but it is about like, how do we allow these children to express all of their emotions and that it that there isn't anything wrong with any of them, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so uh, like lately, it's all just been a work in progress, you guys. But yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> right. I really am trying to honor, honor my children and um, listen yeah. and allow as much as possible. I have um, a, a statement that I really like, um, which has really supported me in parenting and and um, relationships as well. When someone comes to you with a problem, when your children come to you and they're like, I have a lot of really wonderfully dramatic children in the most amazing way. And they come to you with their big, like, which yeah. feels so overwhelming. And our immediate instinct, at least mine is to, how can I fix this for you? How can I make this better for you? Like, I, yeah. And I realized, uh, so two things. 
one, when, when you experience something like that, whether it be a child or a friendship or a parent or whatever part of your relationship, somebody comes to you with their information, the key energetically and in general is to not pick them up and put them on your back. Mm-hmm. because you are not doing service to yourself or to them if you take away their lessons in life. Mm. Because we're all here to learn what, why we're here, what we're doing, learn the things we need to do, and then, you know, evolve. Out, yeah. yeah. And so, but I think I spent a lot of my life just picking people up and like tossing them onto my mm. back and carrying them around, right? And what I've learned and seen in practice and in life is that when you don't listen, when you're given something over and over and over and the universe is giving you something over and over and over again, and then people like me pick it up and hold it for you, eventually the universe is going to give it to you in a really big way. Mm-hmm. And that way can be catastrophic and horrible, right? And I don't want, And I don't want to be responsible for doing that for anybody. So as soon as I understood that, that like it, even for the purpose of this conversation, my children, I need them to experience their their own stuff and for me not to pick it them up and put them on my back. And so the language that I um, heard somewhere and picked up was when, when they come to me with a um, something intense or anything really, my response is always, how can I support you? Mm, that's mm. nice. That's all. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm also practicing more, you know, honoring, mirroring, telling them I see them and hear them and how hard it must be but how can I support you? Because when you use that language, it actually puts the onus back on the person mm-hmm. to figure it out, figure out what it is that they need. And then if they come back and say, oh, I really just need a hug or mm-hmm. I really just need you to listen or, but then it works so beautifully both ways because it helps me understand what it is that they would like for me. And it actually puts it on them to figure out what it is that they do need in their body or mental, emotional, or how, whatever they're feeling at that, in that moment. I like that. Mm. And it works beautifully in relationships too. Cause you know, I have an amazing husband, but he loves to fix all the things. <laughs> and so we practice this language so much. And I can tell you, honestly, when he used it against me, I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, I know. wait a minute. But, he, but I, you know he's listening, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. but, but often we don't know the answer. And so Uh it does really come back to you figuring out what it is that you need in order to feel better. Right. Which right. is just so lovely. So but it is so I nice. That. I like I that. love how you said that too. You know, I've heard that that metaphor before. You know, first you get the the um, you know, the whisper, and then you get the the two by four, and then you get the brick, and then you get the train, right? Yeah. So I've never heard it that way where you're robbing somebody of the yeah, the, the two by four and the whisper. Right. Like you're taking them right to train, right? right? Right. So I love that so much. Um, talk to me a little bit too about you kind of talked a little bit about leaning in, but symptoms and and what they mean in our body. And I guess that's part of inviting people to really pay attention, pay attention to their own and what they need. And but tell us a little bit about you know if that's your home. Yeah, I have a quote. I have a quote. <laughs> I have a quote in my office that says, "Are you listening when your body whispers, or do you wait till it's screaming and yelling at you?" Right. Uh. And you know, our physical body, like I just, I'm, I, I'm very guilty of this as well, but we don't honor our physical body in, in a, a way, like it's just such an amazing thing, right? Yeah. And actually, and I was listening to a podcast recently where the, she calls her, her body, her. So she, she is a really amazing thing, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, and yeah, with homeopathy, like every, so it's such a beautiful medicine. It's been around for 250 years plus. It is solely based on your symptoms and the totality of your symptoms. Basically, we believe that your body is t- talking to us as a whole. So even if somebody comes in for specific headaches, right? Migraine headaches could be their chief complaint. I still need to know how they're sleeping, how they're pooping, like, basically what else is happening in their body. And we pick our medicine, like that you pick the homeopathic remedy based on the totality of symptoms, the symptoms that match the the remedy. Mm. Um, and I mean, as a homeopath, obviously I love homeopathy, but even with my patient this morning, I even said, it just creates new awareness. Like, because I always, I always joke when I treat my father and I'll be like, he says, I have a cough. Can you give me a remedy? I have a cough. And I'm like, 
okay, well, what's your cough like, dad? He's like, well, it's a cough. And I'm like, well, that <laughs> okay. is, that's not helpful. I'm like, is it loose? Is it dry? Is it bad when you lie down? Is it like, yeah. th- we are looking at the entire symptom. Mm. And so it's like, somebody be like, got anything for headaches? I'm like, mm, it doesn't work that way. Like, mm. where's your headache? Is it in the front of your head? Is it in the back of your head? Is it throbbing? Is it pulsating? Is it pounding? Is it like tiny little hammers? Like we have a me- medicine that matches all the different symptoms of that. So we've been trained, unfortunately, with medicine to be like, you fit in a box and here are the things that fit you in a box. And this, and then this box is good for everybody. Yeah. Whereas homeopathy is so individualized. It is not boxes. I don't like boxes. I don't like, I don't, <laughs> don't put me in a cage. Don't be, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't like people come in with the, the names of their, um, issues, right? right? Like, oh, I have arthritis. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Thanks for the name of it. But where is it in your body? What does it feel like? When is it better? When is it worked? What makes it better? What makes it worse? These are all the things about paying more attention to what's going on, right? And mm. once you experience that once, like it, it creates more awareness and also puts you more in tune with your physical body in a really beautiful way. Um, you know, like, and if you've not read, there's a really amazing book by Louise Hay called, I always botcher what the name of it is, but it's like, you your can body. heal your life or oh, yeah. heal your life or something like that. Yeah. Great book. She has a list of symptoms that you can like flip through and say, oh, I have an earache. And she'll tell you what an earache actually represents on, from a spiritual level and the, huh. mant- the mantra you can say to clear it. Yeah, because so then it's all, all your symptoms are tied to emotions. Is that, would you say all, that? All your symptoms are tied to energy. Okay. Because energy, I've heard once somebody say like energy is just, oh shit, no, I can't remember. But emotions are just energy in motion. That's what it is, yep. right? And so if we allow whatever the emotion is to go in and out in its own wave, then we're able to deal with it. And when we don't, and tell me if you disagree, but that's when we bottle things up. That's when maybe we turns to substance abuse, all those things, right? Because you're trying to get that emotion out of you or you don't want to deal with the emotion or feel the pain. We literally the only species on earth that takes our emotional shit and stuffs it into our body. There's a really cool um, story that Eckhart Tolle talks about where he sees two birds on a pond, like two ducks on a pond, and they're like fighting and fight, like aggressive. You can see they're like fighting and fighting and fighting. And then all of a sudden, both ducks back up and flap their wings really, really hard. And then they float away peacefully. Oh, Wow. And we, as humans, seem to take our things and stuff it into our body. Stuff, stuff, stuff that creates this energetic density that then from that place creates so much illness illness and dis-ease, right, in our body. And then that, and that presents in physical ways. It's crazy, you know, so I showed you, um, and for listeners, obviously, your emotional chakra, which is basically just above your belly buttons to like your... Um, your rib cage or below your breasts for women. Um, and um, it's interesting because of that stuffing. When when I see patients that have stuffed a lot of their emotions and like not talked about it, they often have a lot of like upset stomach, right? Stomach ache mm-hmm. and things like that. But the the fascinating thing is if it gets so bad, they often end up with acid reflux or mm-hmm. heartburn. It's like the shit bubbling up because they're not speaking it out. They're not speaking Mm. their truth and they're not letting it out of their body. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy fascinating. I still am like, this is so cool. Yeah, (laughs) I love what I do. So so that is, so reflux kind of like you talked a little bit about, give us a couple little, like, so what is a headache sometimes? I know it can be a million things, but is there any sort of like, sometimes this could mean this. And this often represents, you know, something like this will show up like this, like trauma, for instance, which will probably show up very differently for different people. I don't even know if there is a, you know, sometimes can be, but. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit more information. So the other interesting thing is not only do we have the seven chakras from head to toe, but we also have a male side and a female side. So our male side is on our right side and our female side is on our left side. And these are just basic explanations, yeah? But male is typically about logic, reason, and responsibility. And female is about creativity, sexuality, and emotions. Mm. And so it's not good enough to just be balanced from head to toe, but it is, you have to be balanced from side to side. And uh, like, it just happens. We do this, right? Where, so I'm, 
um, very female side led, like I'm very emotional and, and I picked a partner that is way man, right? Um, totally into his logic, reason, responsibility, male. And uh, I used to joke, so he would travel for business, and every time he traveled for business, like the the world imploded for me. And the crazy thing, and it's only been more recently as I was like said the things that happened. So I can't, t- I feel like three of five times, like the fire truck showed up at my house. <laughs> like it was like stuff that, it was the universe going, like what was happening in my body was I was leaning on him for the energy of the mail and then he'd leave and then I was tipped. Yeah. Mm. Um, because I used him instead of using my own balance. And so then the universe would give me all of these things where I had to be responsible for it. Pull in your masculine side. Yeah, to do those things. And um, so it is so fascinating. So, and what happens with symptoms is often symptoms will be all on one side, which is your body tap, tap, tapping to tell you like, oh, hello, you're not balanced. Like you need to come out of your this side and get into this side a bit more, right? Or to create more balance in your body. You know, um, an example would be like women that I see that are really career driven, right? Like really, and focused on like money and and career and all that kind of stuff. They're more in their male side body and they need to come back into their female the, and their divine female really and like honor how they feel and talk about how they feel and do more creative things that like balance that energy out. Same for men, right? Like typically men are more male side, but not always. But, you know, and then I'm say to men like, oh, communicate how you feel. And they're like, oh my God. And I'm like- <laughs> It's so easy. <laughs> but it can, but it can be creative too. Like that's yeah. that's balancing like cooking or painting or playing guitar or like doing music based things. It's all beautiful way uh, beautiful ways of honoring it. And it's not like all or nothing. It's meant to be a balance. It's meant to have flow back Both. and forth, right? Mm. Yeah. So um I feel like I don't know if I answered your question, but no, it was more did. symptoms. Okay, so I was going to give you a few more little things. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you about Go ahead. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah go. any stuff in your back. So there's lots of different back things, but I, often when I see people with stuff on their shoulders and their and their shoulders or their upper back or sometimes their neck, um, that is us throwing shit backwards. So it's like the stuff that we don't want to deal with, we toss backwards and then it becomes kind of heavy weighted like tension in our backs. It's also mm-hmm. old stuff. It's usually always old stuff back there because we've yeah. tossed it backwards. Yeah. Um, low back pain usually has to do with support, feeling supported. And that's just work to be done on knowing that you're always supported, that you don't need anybody to do that for you, that you support, we support ourselves and the universe supports us at every turn. Mm. Yeah. There's so many little tidbits. <laughs> I love I could it. Be here for I like days. it. I know. We're like, oh, every person who comes in, we're like, oh, we need another show. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I I was thinking as you said that, because when I had seen you, you said, is there anything? And I thought, no, I'm good. But I've had this, now that you say that, like I've had this whole, my left side, which would be my female side, female side has been so painful, like up in my neck and my shoulder. And I've never had that before. And now I'm thinking it's like, so I'm unbalanced, which you did say on my female side. Yes. And leaning in. So am I, it's all the old shit that's unbalanced yes. on the female side? Just honoring all of how you're feeling. And it's the, the, there's so many emotions that you're holding on to that it's weighing you down. Oh, gosh. Even just saying that Even feels like wow. a release. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You are a sage, that my was friend. So good. Oh, my gosh. I just like love that I have you. I always say she's my little sage in my back little pocket. Little sage in a back pocket. I'm going, I'm finding a rapid like, fire. I need to go see a doctor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message Jen. Yeah. <laughs> see what she has to say. <laughs> um, uh, Jen, yeah. we really could turn this into a nine hour event for sure. But we do have a couple rapid fire questions that we're going to fire off at you. Awesome. So. Okay. Well, I, I mean, maybe she's never felt this way because she's so wise. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> What's the time in motherhood that you can kind of reflect on now that you're like, you know, I feel a little, you know how there's mom guilt? Like you might be like, oh, I felt regret in that moment. Yep. I have one very big moment. Uh, when my middle daughter was born, she was born really fast and she had the cord around her neck. And so she wasn't breathing when she was born. And the midwife put her on me. But at the time, I was not this person sitting here, didn't know a lot of things. And so my immediate reaction was fear. And it was like, get her off me, get her off me. And because I just, because she wasn't breathing. And so they took her away and like to shook her a bit and did what they needed to do. And that is something that I have 
practicing changing the dialogue of that because I wish I had have just held on to her because she would have started to breathe and it would have been okay. But I created that imprint on the beginning of her life mm. that I wish I could change. You know, I have guilt because the person I am now is so ra- radically different than the person I was even when I became a mother. Um, and I feel like my older daughter got like a bit gypped up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. on some of this awareness and she's always coming back. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're letting them do that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know. And I'm firstborn too, right? right. So, so there's there's lots of guilt along the way. Firstborn. Yeah. You know, but none of that serves us. Guilt, no, right? yes. Like no. We, we are all doing the best that we possibly can. So absolutely. But like as long as you're trying and, and doing your best, then I try to work through that. No, I love it. At least it's not when in like later on, I always say to my mom, where was this mom growing up when I was growing oh, up? I know. My kids. <laughs> At least she's getting snippets of it yeah. before her kids come along. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so uh, what's the most surprising thing about motherhood for you that like you didn't, you know, some life lesson that you're like, oh, that really surprises me about being a mom. I love how awesome they are. I, it, I, yeah, I feel like that's the big thing these days. I really like my kids. Mm. Like, I think they're awesome people and I can't wait to see who they're, like, how it's all going to unfold for them. I don't know that, like, I'm pretty, I'm sure my mom, my parents felt the same way, but they never expressed that to me. Um, Yeah, that feels surprising. I feel like, just like I said, with that understanding that kids know more than us, that is like new for me. Mm. And um, I love that concept of like, I'm just here for whatever you're going to show me and teach me. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. I like that. I feel like that's a good question to end on. So and beautiful. I, I think that's so nice. And I really think it sounds like you really hold an honor space for your kids to be themselves and to be their own people. And I don't know. I love it. So get the hell out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> just step back and get the hell out of the way. Just, what do you need? So where need? can people find you if they want to find you? Well, thank yeah. you for that question. So um, joyfulhealinggen.com is my website. I work downtown Toronto um, at Lawrence and Ellis area. Um, downtown Kelowna. Yeah. But I'm all online and on Instagram. I'm joyfulhealinggen. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Well, thank you, thank Jen, you, Jen, for coming and enlightening us. I'm always enlightened when I'm thank in your presence. You. Thank you for having honored. me. This has been so much fun. fun. Oh, I think this is going to have to be a six-part series. <laughs> it's, just, it's just you have such like a lovely energy about you. Oh, yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so yes, thank you. Thank Thanks, you Jen. so much. Have a beautiful day. Thanks so much for listening. Now we want to hear from you. So tell us what's going on in your world. What's what's working? What's not working? How we can support you? What are some good topics? And don't forget to follow us at Let's Not Sugarcoat It Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time. Bye. Bye. See you.